Can life be tough? You bet it can. Every one of us has had tough times in our lives. We have all struggled with difficulties throughout the course of our lives, and these past several months have certainly been unusual and tough. A comfortable, loving old man who died was born to the other world where every wish was gratified. No effort, no struggle, no sacrifice was required of him. He became bored and said, I can't stand having everything I desire. I want to feel there are things I can't have. Just for a little while, I'd like to go to hell. The attendant replied, And where do you think you are, sir? In this time of worship, we are exploring the tough taste of tenderness. Let's face it. There are some people who don't like the fact that life at times is tough. In fact, they do everything they can to avoid it. And these people are endlessly preoccupied with feeling better rather than channeling any of their focus on making the world better. When we feel pain, especially the pain of others, then and only then can we be moved to struggle for and on their behalf. What would happen if some of us began to live out the truth that it is really important to sacrifice, to struggle, and even to be in conflict on behalf of those in our world who are truly in need? Why should we only listen to those who tell us to eat, drink, and be merry, and to avoid any real difficulties, challenges, or conflicts, and simply be well-off and well-adjusted? Isn't it important to have a deeper purpose for our lives than our own concerns, our own family, our own friends, our own work, and our own community? There's a young priest in Wyla Cather's Death Comes to the Archbishop, which chides an older priest for going out in bad weather on an errand of mercy without his warm clothing. And the young priest exclaimed, You will catch your death of cold. Whereupon the older priest replied, When I die, it will not be of a cold, but it will be from having lived. Some people are so worried about their own health and well-being that they never fully live, at least not in the sense of actualizing a deeper connection to the life of God within them. Because that's what God is all about. I want you to hear these ancient words of the discouragement of the Hebrews, who numerous times throughout history were either oppressed or foreigners. This is from Psalm 137, verses 1 through 4, where you will see they are under the captivity of the Babylonians. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and there we wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows there, we hung up our hearts, for there our captors asked for us songs. And our tormentors asked for mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How could we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? 
how could we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? Where do we hang up our lives? What do we really stake them on? The writer of the book of Lamentations was also writing during the captivity of the Hebrew people in Babylon. You'll sense a connection to Psalm 137 with the infusion of hope as we hear Lamentations chapter 3, 19 to 26. The thought of my affliction and my homelessness is wormwood and gall. My soul continually thinks of it and is bowed down within me, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. God's mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. By the way, those words are where we get the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Now, might part of life be valuing the difficult and learning to deal with it? If we don't completely avoid difficulties, but work with them in the long run, they, sh- they help shape us in many very good ways. And so they do. And so they do. Could that not be part of the tough taste of tenderness? Let's turn now to our text from Luke that Michael read for us. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord replied, If you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your slave, who has just come in from the field plowing or tending sheep, Come here at once and take your place at the table? Would you not rather say to him, Prepare supper for me, put on your apron and serve me while I eat and drink, and later you may eat and drink? Do you thank the slave for doing what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were asked to do, say, we are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. After hearing our scripture lesson, let's not forget that Jesus lived in the time-bound era when slavery was normative. It does not make it right We simply acknowledge that's the way it was. And Jesus used teachings from his context. Yes, in this text, Jesus states that the servant endures the tough taste of what is required. Those same disciples who asked to have their faith increased were the very same ones who wanted to be rewarded when Jesus came into his kingdom. Remember, Remember how they asked at another spot in the gospel if they might be seated at his right and his left hand? So many in our day want to be recognized for their service and giving. Wanting a reward or special recognition for what you've done is not necessarily Christian giving. When we are servants of God and give and give again, as the text says, We have done only what we ought to have done. And that doesn't warrant a special reward or recognition. 
Now, I'm all for plentiful appreciation and gratitude in the church to extend courtesy and appreciation. That's a sign of Christian mutuality and support. As theologian Karl Barth observed, what seemed to be unnatural from the perspective of the world becomes natural for the follower of Christ. Just as in Christ's servanthood, God's nature becomes evident. So for those who want to proclaim God's presence in the world, servanthood becomes a natural response. Jesus did nothing for fame and recognition. He did what he did because it was the right thing to do as he was called by God. Jesus knew what it was to be a servant of God. Whereas the kings of history were willing to send their people out to die for them, Jesus was the only king who died for his people. Jesus discovered that after he gave his all, he received what he could only imagine was possible, resurrection life with God. As those who serve as followers of Jesus, we too can discover that we are receiving more than we are giving. Just as parents don't need to be rewarded for the attention they pay to their children because their children are a portion of their joy, so those who serve others in need will find their reward in the people they serve. I am convinced that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was not a reward. He didn't do it as wanting a reward. But it was part of his deep relationship with God. As we celebrate World Communion, let us not forget that Jesus experienced the tough taste of crucifixion. Yet, Jesus was tender, for he said from the cross, Father, forgive them. Henry Nouwen, the late Catholic priest and theologian, wrote in his book, Compassion, these insightful words. When we eat bread and drink wine together in memory of Christ, we become intimately related to his own compassionate life. In fact, we become his life and are thus enabled to represent his life in our time and place. Our compassion becomes a manifestation of God's compassion lived out through all times and in all places. The breaking of the bread connects our broken lives with God's life in Christ and transforms our brokenness into a brokenness that no longer leads to fragmentation, but to community and to love. Wounds that are the beginning of the process of decay must remain hidden, but wounds that have become gateways to new life can be celebrated as new signs of hope. The tough taste of tenderness. Communion is the symbol of a vision of new life and the world being one, even though we know it's not. Look at what the Lord of all creation takes from us and our world. Just look at how difficult and trying some people are 
And just look at how self-centered and ungrateful others can be, not to mention mean-spirited and evil. That must be tough to taste for God. Yet, God is tender. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And not only that, God invites us into the tough taste of tenderness in communion with him, to be one with him. And so I close with these moving words of T. Kelly. God plucks the world out of our hearts, loosening the chains of attachment, and hurls the world into our hearts where we and God together carry it out in tender love. Friends, today, on this World Communion Sunday, and really for the rest of our lives, may we join with the Lord in the tough taste of tenderness. Amen.